Hello, everybody. Welcome to Rob's Tabletop World podcast. And today, boy, we got we got a good one. Uh, this was taped earlier in the week. Um, I tried to listen through it as much as I could, but it was taped all in one shot. So you got to be a little forgiving uh, of us as if we try to bring you the best quality that we can. But I had to splice the episode because anchor only lets you put things up 30 minutes at a time and yeah this was longer than an hour Um, and that's one of the things uh, that I really enjoy about doing interviews is that I really uh, get the chance to um, you know talk to somebody and it isn't canned it isn't goofy Um, and uh, one of the things that I always did like to do on the tabletop world was do some interviews. And um, a lot of people thought when we were doing the interview show that we did for a little, a little while before uh, I had gotten sick, that it was one of the best out there. And I I was really, really uh, proud of that. So um, I can't wait for you guys to listen to one of the, best designers on the planet and that's Herman Lutman and uh, we have a lot of fun here and uh, expect a lot more interviews coming up um, I think uh, with my unique style that I'm able to bring you something different uh, also always a week after the interview um, we'll actually put up a physical video of the interview happening so uh, I, I, I think that's a pretty good that way it's on on the youtube channel and uh you know if you don't get to listen to it here you can always listen to it there so without further ado let's get this started right after this hey everybody welcome to rob's tabletop world podcast as always i have dogs barking in the background but today today my friends Today is the very first guest that we ever have on this podcast. And we've been doing this podcast for a little while now, but we just don't have any guests. I'm not that cheap. All right. I, I pay the big bucks and I bring in the big stars. Okay. One of the greatest designers ever to live. Oh, none other than the great Herman Lutman. Hey, Rob, thank you for having me on. It's, it's, it's an honor to be here wow. to be your first guest. That was some freaking you that know, was intro. <laughs> I mean, I swear to God, they should have gave you the Oscar for that one, bro. Absolutely. <laughs> now, I appreciate you know, kind words. I do. Oh, uh, I, don't I don't know how many times I've told you offline, you know, not to butter your bread, but, you know, how much I appreciate all your work and your friendship as well. You know, you've. We, we, you know, we've known each other for a few years now, and we've got quite a few stories that we could tell. A lot of them that we don't tell. <laughs> but uh, I was actually trying to think of when we. So we've been friends. I, first time we met, I believe, was at Origins five years ago. I think it was. Yeah, I think it was five years ago at Origins. Believe it or not. Yeah, you you were hanging around with the Undead Viking, I think, and some other. Oh, people. how washed up is he? how <laughs> washed up is he boy did he he crash hard that poor guy yeah but, but you and it, i you and i had we had obviously had spoken before that time so i mean I, yeah yeah but we finally got to meet each other face to face 
Uh, matter of fact, I, I, I think I was doing, I, I was working the booth. Um, I was working the booth for Board Game Geek. I think you were, yeah. Which you know, I was doing the interviews and stuff like that. And I had a lot of fun doing that. But to work a booth at, at a gaming convention oh. and then try to run around, do stuff for your, your channel. It's, that's hard. I, I remember working uh, when I worked for Victory Point Games. I ran their, well, I didn't run their booth, but I worked in their booth for a mm -hmm. couple of years at WBC. And that was like a freaking full-time job. I mean, that was worse than my day job. It, it was <laughs> constant. I loved meeting everybody, believe me. You know, to meet people who, you know, like your designs and want to talk about the hobby and your games is great. But it's it's 24-7. It's just constant interactions. Oh, it, it, it drove me nuts. And then, like an idiot, I went to Gen Con with them when normally... I would just basically, um, you know, try to, you know, like miniature market would give me a ticket and, you know, I, I would pay for my hotel room or whatever. And then I could run around, do whatever I needed to do. Uh -huh. Not that I ever got a chance to play a game. Well, because, of course not. No, because I was too busy filming and I always felt this obligation to try to bring the convention to people that can't go. You know, right. you know if you really think about it for the amount of people that, that convention holds and it's one of the biggest conventions there is gen con mm -hmm. right and the number of people that don't get to go and then you see these videos well i'm here at gen con having the best time of my life and i was like you know that's not fair to people why don't i go around and try to show them what it's about make them feel like they're there and do something a little different that's funny you should say that because i just saw uh, i watched juice the guards videos of uh what is it game on i think there's a Who? game on convention. I think it's in Washington. And he did exactly what you do is just go to table to table and talk to the participants. And yeah, he stole what I did. Yeah. Is what you're saying. You know, theory. <laughs> yeah, basically. He yeah. stole your gig, yes. <laughs> well, I did set the benchmark because people used to say I used to say that the, those were some of their, their favorite videos that I ever did uh -huh. was you know the Gen Con coverages because you know when I started doing it, it was early early days. I remember the first one I went to, I think it was 48 or 47 or something like that. Hmm. It was a couple before 50. Wow. And I went, I went with Tom Vassell and, um, it was, it it was, it was pretty interesting. You know, I, he would give me a, like a shift, but the rest of the time he just did whatever he wanted to do. Right. And you know, Tom was real good about stuff like that, believe it or not. And, uh, I was just amazed. Of course, half my time i think i got the most exercise i ever got in my life because i would buy like 400 games run down to the ups store right right pack them all up ship them then run back buy more right. go there ship them you know run four blocks from the thing it, it, and it's 100 degrees in indiana when, when they would have it uh, august i always oh. said the same thing about origins because we stayed at that hope the main hotel there mm -hmm. and you think that the convention's right next to the hotel, but it's like a mile away down these corridors, right? Oh God, yeah. And you, to go back to your room is—that's an hour experience to get back there and up to the elevators. And oh my God, there was so much walking. And the you know, the origins, origins. I can't believe how how much that has fallen off. Now I haven't been since before COVID and that whole disaster. Mm -hmm. um th those were the last ones i went to and i'm planning on going this year but well, they have... I, I went in october which was the delayed one 
because yes. June. So I went in October and I drove up, which was nice because I'm in Knoxville, Tennessee now. So it's a five hour drive to get to Columbus, Ohio, which was great that I didn't have to fly. Mm-hmm. And I met my buddies from New York there and I agree. It was not the same and I didn't expect it to be the same, but it was pretty sparse. I got to say. Um, so it's going to take a while to get back to where it was, I think. Well, any convention, really. I agree. And 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 the thing that, you know, I, I'm going to go one last time. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go one last time to Origins, one last time to Gen Con, whether I do it both this year. But, you know, kind of my swan song, tip of the hat, I'm done. You know, let the mm-hmm. young kids do it, you know. Uh, it, it, it's It's too crowded. You know, there's so much drama that goes on, as you know. Right. You know, you, you know that that, that <laughs> Origins is famous for for that bar there. Yes, um, I know which one you're talking about. Uh, yeah, what, whatever it is, and uh, I never went there. I was in bed half the time before. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I would go over across the street, you know, get whatever food I could get at those little vendors there. Yeah, um, the food there's great. Yeah, the food market, and I was just like, okay, let me bring it up to a room, and then I'd be in bed at you know sleep early. I get up at the crack of dawn, go down to the gym, and then start my day running around trying to film everything. Well, I've never, I have not been to Gen Con mostly because when I watched some of your stuff, I'm like, oh my god, that place is bad. You get claustrophobic. Oh yeah, it, it, it's it's too it's too much. It yeah. was too much at one point. I, they downsized it though, according to yeah. one of the vendors I talked to. Uh, he went there and and you know because of everything that's happened, you know they've taken a hit, unfortunately. Yeah. But it's starting to come back. Yeah, that's kind of why. Like I, well, that's why I liked Origins because you get that big convention feel, but it was not totally overbearing like Gen Con. So no, not at all. Yeah. Not at all, but but half the vendors aren't going anymore. I I know, and I'm not sure if that's a thing in the industry because of you know uh, you know online sales or or something like that, or if it's just because of you know the the disease. You know that uh, like we all we all got convention crud. I mean that was a thing yeah. for years and years and years. You just you went to these conventions knowing that hey. I got a chance of you know, getting, you know, some kind of flu or bug or something from everybody. It's just, you know, it's the, all these people piled together, sitting around with hundreds of people in close proximity. So it, it was kind of part of the deal, right? It was that, but also the industry learned a very hard lesson mm-hmm. for the amount of games that you're going to sell at these conventions. Now, you got to remember, they got to pay for hotel rooms. They got to pay for the space. They got to pay for people to come and set everything up, especially if you're a bigger company. Okay. Then you got to bring, ship all the product in. Right. Okay. I, I could tell, I could vouch for that because Mark Walker told me that exact same thing that, that Flying Pig won't go to any more conventions because it's just, it's too, too expensive, too cumbersome. Like what you said before, he doesn't get a chance to go play games, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or just be entertained because everything's work, work, work. And, in the end, yeah, it's good for face-to-face interaction with customers and all that, but mm-hmm. the expense is ridiculous because he's got to pay for everybody in his crew to come and yep. stay and eat and all that kind of thing and, and you know, haul in all that product. And, his, you know, his product's fairly small compared to 
let's say if a seaman goes there or somebody oh, you're talking about you know a tractor trailer full of stuff mm-hmm. and 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 the thing is for the amount of games that you sell you know people forget you 10 minutes after they leave that convention right you know and you know unless you're in with the in crowd you know this isn't the the trash anybody but it's true okay unless you're in with the in crowd you, you know they're not going to showcase your game mm-hmm. okay they're not going to give you the time you know in mark's case you know war gaming is a very unfortunately niche thing when yeah. it's the basic foundation for for gaming if you really right. think about it any gaming you know go all the way back to to, to the days of the romans yeah you know, how do you play board games? Well, war games were the very first. Well, in the seventies, it war gaming was the hobby gaming of gaming, right? If oh, you were in a Monopoly or Clue or something, you were playing war games. It was, mm-hmm. it was mainstream, and so I know it because I played them. I introduced people at college to games, and I'd have a room full of eight people, men and women, <laughs> you know, playing Napoleon's Last Battles. It was the same with me. Everybody would gather around. We were playing Panzer Blitz or Tactics, right. you know, yeah. and, and then, eh, no, I think everybody chiming in. I think you should move that. It was a lot simpler time, right. and it, it was the heartbeat of everything. Those bookcase games, you could take them anywhere. Right. So and, that was and, kind of a cool, yeah, you know, edgy hobby part of the uh, board gaming industry. So that, Oh, yeah. absolutely. And, and absolutely. that changed, of course, with, I guess, Sellers of Catan, I guess you could start there, but well, the, well, where do you really start? Where where it kind of took that turn, you know? Is is it the dungeon crawl games? You know, was it Hero Quest that kind of took that turn? And then you know, right? Well, D and D and war gaming kind of worked parallel, or, but I mean, we had a lot of crossover in our war gaming club. Guys would go play D and D and back and forth. So I guess it, I guess you could construe that as being part of the same, yeah, edgy Dragons part of Dragons, yeah. Um, Battle Masters, all that kind of stuff, which kind of spun off of that that GW machine, which which took off in the late '80s and '90s. Whew. Yeah, um, and there were a few hobby games that. So, I mean, one of the games I've been playing probably the longest of all, and I played it with my hardcore war game friends, is Robo Rally. I've been playing that. Oh game. God, yeah, I've played that game for thirty years or however long it's been out. And even my hardcore miniatures gamers and board gamers, we take time to play that game. So there it's was amazing also, how a game like that gets buried and forgotten. Yeah, I still have a copy, and I still bring it out every once in a while. And, and our kids love it still when they come and visit. But that's what we're playing. You know, I'm looking. I'm I'm looking at your shelf behind you. Is that Defenders yeah. of the Realm? Yeah, that's one of my favorites, right there. Defenders yeah, I, the I got it right over there. <laughs> I got Street you know, Masters in the middle. I just got Massive Darkness 2. That's the two huge boxes. And that's yeah, yep, yep. I got that. You see our, our, our shelves mirror each other. Big black box there. Yeah. That's your fault. That's Escape the Dark Castle, everything. Yeah, <laughs> I got that right over there. And and you know the funny thing is Defender of the Realm is sitting right on top of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, a lot of this is your fault. So that's one of the reasons. It's what I do, bro. It's what I do. You've cost me a lot of money. You've taught me to enjoy a lot of games that I hadn't heard of before. Well, I appreciate that coming from you, especially coming from you. You know, I want to talk about a game that you've recently done. 
And that I'm going to hold it up to the camera because I, I may, it, it, depending on how this saves, because th we're experimenting with this, folks, and we're taping this for the podcast. But if the video works where I can download both of them, what I'm thinking of doing is actually putting this video up about a week or so after uh -huh. the podcast, you know, to give you the full, you know, the full, the full push. experience, the full yes. push. <laughs> but recently, our, our good friend Mark Walker, who let me tell you something, I don't know how many times I've I've I, I've sung this man's praises. Yeah. Okay. He never hears it. Okay, and he thinks I forget him, but I <laughs> never forget this guy. Uh, the games that he has put out are are in my top fifty, mm -hmm. and and some of them are made by you, of course. Uh, um, this newest one that just came out uh, from his Tiny Battles line, mm -hmm. the Hills of Death, Champion Hill. Right. All right. Your love affair for Gettysburg is unparalleled. You know, when when you take a look at the things that you have done. Uh, particularly one that is sitting right there. I'm going to move that box. Oh, a most fearful sacrifice. Don't let it gun ahead. <laughs> yeah, no, well, it's a hero. It's a hero quest figure. I got to paint at some point, <laughs> along with everything else. But you know, your your Gettysburg games are just, you know, the Civil War games that you do are just so detailed and so smart. But the thing that gets me the most about the stuff that you do is you make it where it's not so rule intensive that you have to have a, a degree in you know mechanical science to 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 play a game right and, and that, I had, yeah. go ahead no and, and that's exactly why i designed the way i design is now the guy that we both are big big fans of richard launius okay? oh, yeah. And oh, everything yeah. that he's done. Who, who, when we get a chance, we have to get together with him. He, he's oh, invited okay. me up multiple times, and I just haven't had the time with everything going on to go up mm -hmm. there to find a weekend that I can get up there. And said we could stay at his house, have a great time. Mm -hmm. All right, with him and Pete from uh, uh, Shirey from SEMA. Uh, mm -hmm. He said to me, he's gotten to an age where. He doesn't want to design these complicated games. Right. He just wants to play something fun mm -hmm. and to the point. And this came to a boiling point with me, and I didn't realize it until I got Frostpunk, which is right yeah, there. I've seen, yeah, I've seen it around, yeah. I tried to watch a video that Paul Grogan did. Okay, like, it was an hour. Yeah. Hour long, Okay. Half an hour for the setup. Mm -hmm. Now, this game does everything I could ever want a game to do. Because right. if you remember, also in the 80s, there was complexity. And you you and I and Richard, we were into playing those complex war games. Mm -hmm. Okay? But then you get to a certain point where, after all these years, I found that, man, I just want to get it to the table, play it, have a good time, and walk away. Well, and that's interesting you say that. That's exactly my experience. So I think most of us go through this, this pattern of, so when we start out in gaming, we're younger, we have all this free time. So we have time to explore all this, right? Have time to set it up and all that. You know, then I get married, end up with three kids and two jobs. And mm -hmm. now, now my 
my gaming time becomes, you know, it's at a, it's at a premiere, right? I mean, I, I, when I get the game, I, I want to get in there. So it, it started getting to the point where, you know, we were trying to play these complex war games and I'd go to gaming night and it's an hour and a half to two hours of setting it up, getting through the rules, playing a turn and a half, realizing you did a whole bunch of stuff wrong and then having to set it up again or having it never get to the table again ever. And after a while, I'm like, what, what am I doing with my time here? This is my, this is my spare fun time, right? Mm-hmm. You know, get away from real life for a second and just go on an adventure and have a good time. And I think that's what happens is now you evolve to a point where you're like, I, I want to be able to sit down and play a game to conclusion in an evening or in a great circumstance, if you have a longer gaming session, maybe play the game twice, right? Or play right, twice. right. So I, I, I gained an appreciation for that, you know, for having, you know, what you call an accessible game, a game that you don't have to spend hours and hours setting up and learning the rules and 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 then arguing arguing about the rules, mm-hmm. which which is you know which, which is a definitely a characteristic of some of the more complex war games. You know, you hear all sorts of horror stories about arguing about supply rules and all that, and then you're wasting your whole. Based, the bottom line is you're wasting your whole gaming time. Right. Right. Which is at a premium. And so, um, yeah, when I got into this and that's what actually first attracted me to Victory Point games. That's how I got into designing. So Victory Point games was doing game designs that I could get to the table, that I could play in an afternoon, that I could play solo if I needed to. And that attracted me right away to that design style so that's you know how i got involved in the design part of it is through alan emmerich giving me an opportunity to to do that one of my favorite videos i've ever done was i was at gen con and i don't remember you remember tina yep we uh i never heard of uh nemo's war right and he was there and I saw the game, and I, it was the last day. I go, why, why don't we film this? And I sat down, and I played a few turns with him. Mm-hmm. And we taped it. And it was one of the best experience and one of my favorite videos I have ever done. If, if you ever get a chance, check it out. He's a riot. Alan's very good with public speaking and mm-hmm. demonstrating games and having allowing you. He's, he's definitely a personality. He used to yeah. run the auction at um, um, Constant World Expo out in Tempe. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He ran, yeah, yeah. He ran the auction there, and it was just it, – people would go just not to buy anything, just to watch him do his thing. <laughs> I, I had seen him a couple of years later, um, actually at Board Game Geek Con, and he, he was doing something else. It was towards the end of Victory Point there. And he saw me and he goes, you know something? That was the most fun I ever had making a video. <laughs> and for me, that was that was it. I said, yeah, okay. Yeah. I'm, you know, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no we, we had such a good time. And it was just so good. And um, I really, I'll, it, it's one of those things I'll never forget. If I had to do top 10 favorite videos I've ever done, that that has to be pretty close to the top. Well, and that's because he had the basic philosophy of gaming is supposed to be fun. Mm-hmm. I, then I, wanna, I wanted to go buy the game. I hope people get offended by that statement. But yeah. it, I, as far as I'm concerned, if, if, if you're not having fun while you're gaming, you're doing it wrong. I understand. Exactly. Right. 
and granted, I understand that people game for different reasons, right? Some mm -hmm. people want to do it because it's relaxing. Some people want to do it for escapism. Some people just want to do it for fun. Some people want to do it because they want to outsmart everybody else and prove that they're smarter than everybody else. That's right. fine. Everybody does it for a different reason. I do it because I want to have a good time. Yeah. I'll have my friends and that's not to say you don't try to figure out the strategies of the game or the mechanics and how to manipulate them. And, but you want to play with people also that if you make a good move, they go, hey, that was a really cool move. That, that was clever. Congratulations. Not, God damn it, now I'm going to get into the rule book and see if I can rules lawyer you to show that you did it wrong or, or something. Yeah, the, the, the groups the groups nowadays, because gaming has gotten so big, are so – people are so different. And in I find that people want to game alone more now Absolutely. than with a group, you know, because, you know, each one, it becomes a drama circle. And some people should game alone because some yeah. people will game and they have, you know, um, analysis paralysis because they want to make the best move possible oh. without being able to read the room and see that you're holding up everybody else. Yeah. So, that's great. If you want to play a game because you want to extract the best score, the best move possible at every moment, you should probably be playing that solitaire and do that in the comfort of your own home and work your puzzle out, right? In your mm -hmm. own time. Well, we've had too many, uh, I've had experiences where and I, can tell you, I won't name names, but I know there was a game once that this guy was beating us all by, it was about five of us. He was beating us by 50 points. It was the last round. And he sat there literally, and I mean literally, for 20 minutes figuring out how to beat us out by 51 points. Right? And everybody just sat there staring at him. And we were yeah, like, oh, we want to kill him. Will you just go? Okay, thanks. That's the last time we're going to play with you. <laughs> oh, God. All, all I ever want to do is just, you know, have fun when I get a chance to game and just enjoy myself. And that's the end of it. It's more about you know getting lost in whether you're playing a character if you die it's funny it's hysterical right. and and i always said even a bad game at the end of the day is still oh, a game absolutely it's still a game and, and, and you, know, you want that for me it was that sense of adventure i mean i was an account oh for 40 something years so i mean i was good at my job but it's not the most exciting job in the world i got pretty bored mm -hmm. a lot so when i gamed i wanted like okay a, I don't want to do spreadsheets. B, I don't want to do any writing or math, complicated math. I just right. want to go have an adventure and have some fun. Yeah, and I, I think so that's all you can ever ask. Right, and you mentioned Mark before. That I worked for Mark. I, well, let me let me backtrack. I actually admired Mark because I was a huge fan of his World at War uh, system when he had Lock and Load. And yes. I finally at, at WBC one year. I finally got to go up to him at his booth and meet him and say, you know, World of War to me is one of the best systems ever designed. It's right in my mm -hmm. wheelhouse. You made modern combat playable. Exactly what we were just talking about, right? Right. Instead of like, I'm going to measure how far this missile goes every 15 seconds and does the wind deviate it? No. Mark made a game that was chit-pull, exciting, fun, and still fairly realistic as far as we can tell. And that mm -hmm. to me was right in my wheelhouse. So I walked up to him and I, you know, and then later on, years later, I just, we, we got, uh, I don't even know how it started, but I ended up designing for him. Um, mm -hmm. It was a tiny battle. It might have been Invaders, yeah. as a matter of fact. Uh, yeah, it was the trilogy uh, Invaders. Yeah, Invaders from Dimension X. 
and which you can get at tiny battles <laughs> i believe let's, let's plug them i mean go to flying frog check out tiny battles check out all these games that herman's done i, I mean the sci-fi trilogy is is one of my favorites well thank you and um but and, we in good friends friend. because mark has the same philosophy you do and i do which is mm -hmm. we would play other games together and just have a blast i mean mm -hmm. He's like me, man, and you. I, you know, we're getting up there. We're rolling chunks of dice and yelling and laughing, and, and you were just having a great time. And that's, and since then, now we've become best friends. I, I see him. I go up to Virginia every three or four months, and we just game for the weekend. You know, and it's it's a blast. Um, tell yeah, tell Mark, thank you, thanks for the invite. Tell Mark, uh, thanks for the invite. I'll remember that. <laughs> okay. Uh, everybody, everything that I was just plugging, forget. <laughs> no, but I, I mean, some of the games that you've done, I mean, we, we could sit here and talk about Dawn of the Zed, which is unbelievable. We could talk about, like I said, a most fearful sacrifice, which is probably one of the most beautiful games I've ever seen. And well, that, that was a labor magnificent of style. Jeez. Yeah. Most fearful sacrifice was a labor of love. That was just something that Mark and I decided you know what everybody keeps asking me you know you've done pieces of gettysburg yes when, when are you going to do all of gettysburg and i said well if we're going to do all of gettysburg we're going to do it big and who else mm -hmm. who does it bigger than flying pig games right oh. so and then of course we got the amazing uh and uh, late great rick barber to do the map yeah that, that map it was the last map he ever did that was the that was his masterpiece yeah that, that map is the most detailed study of the Gettysburg battlefield I've ever seen. And you could just lay down and look at it for, for days. And if you haven't seen it, folks, uh, I, I've got a couple of videos out there on, on my YouTube channel. Check, check it out. I, I, I mean, there are just some great videos that really cover that game. Matter of fact, I got to do a live playthrough of it one of these days, you know, now that we're finally settled here on the farm. Another thing that I, you guys will be seeing coming up very, very soon is the Hills of Death, Champions Hill. Now, where did this come from in, in, in your mind, <laughs> oh dear one? So uh, Mark asked me to do a, a, a small Civil War series for Tiny Battle because mm -hmm. he lost the rights to the Civil War series he had before that. Uh, okay. It was, but um, So I said, all right, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, of course I'll do it. Um, you know, obviously it's going to be something simpler. And we, I said, and I, what I'd like to do is do more obscure battles, right? Not mm -hmm. the usual, you know, Antietam, Chickamauga, Gettysburg, all that kind I of stuff. I mean, track. everybody's done it 15 right. times. So let's, let's try to find battles that have not been covered that well, or maybe that people are afraid to cover for various reasons. Mm -hmm. Champion Hill is just a game uh is is a battle that i've always been interested in it's it's a very important battle because it basically opened the door to to the Vicks, siege of vicksburg which many people consider even the fall of vicksburg to be more important than gettysburg right because it opened mm -hmm. up that whole mississippi western front and so i decided all right we'll do that we'll do champion hill um and then claude whalen is going to do the next game and that's called conquering the valley and that's the battles of um Cross Keys in Port Republic. And then I'm going to do one on the Battle of Fredericksburg, which there's not a lot of games on Fredericksburg, believe it or not. And that's a that's a significant battle as well. Also not covered much. So we're going to try to do more obscure battles. Uh, we're going to get one designer, Dale Gutt, to do Brandy Station. Um, 
So anything, you know, I'm always willing to take suggestions, of course, too. Very cool. Now, I have to, to stop the segment right here because um, Anchor does something weird where you can only put 30 minutes at a time. But we okay. will be right back after this break. Got it. And we're back with none other than the great Herman Lutman. Do I butcher that name? No, Lutman, Lutman right. Huh? You got it. Okay, I'm just making sure because, boy, I can't say anything right. But um, we're back here with you again and, and just talking about some of these fantastic games that you've created. And you, you've got something coming up and uh, boiling up with uh, GMT, too. Which oh, is really yeah. My goodness. You talk about big projects. As a matter of fact, I just got an email an hour ago from mm -hmm. Ken Cohen, who is the developer from GMT, who's developing the Plum Island Horror. And it's 98% done now. Wow. Yeah. Um, he just sent me a list of the things that I'm going to be getting in the next day or so that I have to check over. Mm -hmm. um, it's interesting. Um, Ken is one of their in-house developers. And I'll tell you, GMT has really become, they're quite the professional organization now. When I when I did my first game at any cost, which was mm -hmm. what, five years ago or something like that. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, I, I felt that was my first project with GMT. And I just felt kind of like they're just leaving me on my own. <laughs> you know, like, the, you know, there wasn't any guidance per se. It was like here you know design a game okay we'll take it and i was like yeah but do you like it you know <laughs> do you know I, I was now it's very structured right they got these yeah. these guys um and uh jason carr and ken coon and i think there's somebody else and they're in charge of developing these projects they have a very tight schedule of what they do next and and you know the whole process is very very structured and that makes me feel very comfortable because I know people are double checking things. You know, any designers out there will tell you, you know, the, there's this great inner fear that when you get your design, you know, you get your prototype box, you're going to open it up. And the first thing you see is this horrible error <laughs> that everybody right. missed, right? And it's, it's just a little bit more comforting, especially for something as big as Plum Island Heart, because A, it's not a typical GMT game, right? It's, right. It's not the, a war game. It's it's a horror multiplayer asymmetric horror game, and the artwork is going to be totally unique for GMT. So, you know th that aspect requires more and more checking and double checking. And there's just a lot of little bits in there that you don't normally get in just a standard game on the Battle of the Bulge. Mm -hmm. it's, it's going to have standees. It's going to have different shaped tiles and counters. Um, it's, it's, it's pretty amazing. I'm looking forward to it. I, I, I cannot wait to see this. And, 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 and it, it went pretty quickly on the P 500 too. It went fairly quickly. Yeah. It's up at around 1180 now on the pre-orders. And I suspect yeah. as it gets closer and closer, it'll probably jump pretty quickly. I'm sure people are hesitant because they're looking at it going, what the heck is that? <laughs> what is this from GMT? Right? Yeah. Uh, but, you know, Gene told me he wanted to make a conscious effort to start tapping Branching into out. other aspects of the market. There's so many gamers out there. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, let's get some games out there that tap into the mainstream market a little bit more. So, and, and, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they've just been fantastic through and through, and their professionalism is ridiculous. And, you know, 
they're very good to this channel. Um, mm -hmm. They've always have been, and I'm very thankful for that. And most of it, I'm thankful because of you, because you introduced me to them. And um, you, you know, they always make sure that if they got something new, they pop it out here for me to review it, and I always go mm -hmm. through it quickly. And every time I open up a box, I mean, it is the highest quality. Everything's done smart. Yep. And when you look at it, it just reminds you of the old days, the Avalon Hill type of, you know, right. box sets where you can fit them onto a shelf. And yep. the more you get, the more you go, wow, you know, I, oh, I, I've I, got I, the universe. I just got a copy of Tank Duel. Um, oh, good game. And that thing is, boy, you talk about, they got player aids for everybody. It's the top-notch quality. The graphics are fantastic. Yeah. Uh, uh, Mike Berticelli did a great job with that game, and and it's cool because you can play with eight people. So what yeah, which is insane, thing, right? You can sit around just shooting each other for yeah for hours. It's great, and the game the game is just fun, smart, mm -hmm. different. Yep. You know, uh, I, I love how the cards work on that, where you turn you turn them over and you run through that deck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It had a little bit of a, a upfront feel to it, a little bit. Yes. Um, yes. Very much so. Very, right. very, right. very it is, so. It, you know, look, it's essentially, it's basically a card game. It's kind of like Combat Commander in a sense, because you're, you're, mm -hmm. you're, you're kind of tied to how you play your cards. It's card management, but it still feels right and it's still fun as hell. Mm -hmm. It's so much fun. So, uh, so what's got your interest right now? I mean, what are you playing right now that's, that's got your interest? Uh, it's, uh playing? Yeah. Playing or you picked up recently that you said, "Boy, I got I got to bring this in. This is something I want to I, I want to check out." Uh, let's see. Some of the stuff I've been getting lately is a little disappointing. Um, I did just get Sky Tear Horde, uh, which is a, a battling card game. I haven't even mm -hmm. opened it yet. It's still in shrink wrap. It just arrived today. Did it just come out? Uh, it was on Kickstarter. So okay. Yeah. Yeah, because um, my whole thing is I, I I don't back Kickstarters because of half the junk that goes on with them. Right. But, you, you know, I, I usually just wait for it to come retail. That way I'm surprised. And if it doesn't come to retail, I'll hunt it down somehow. I'll tell you what I really like. And I just, it was just on a whim. I don't know if you're, it was your fault directly or indirectly, but Gears of War, the board game, I absolutely love that thing. Yep. Yep. I, I don't I, know how people haven't exploited that system and done a whole bunch of stuff with it because well it's so much fun and the, and it's so clever the way the ai works and the cover thing and uh, card management and it just looks good that game is fun it's so good it's ridiculous and and the thing that kills me about that that particular game is is uh, i think they said that Descent was a derivative of it, uh, or a descent. Uh, I mean, uh, um, it was a descent of, yeah, uh, of it. And and you know they they used the same mechanics from Gears of War for Descent, which mm -hmm. turned out to be this huge game. Right. And you never hear too much about Gears of War, which I can never understand because of just how good that game is. Yeah, it's it's really excellent. Um, and. You know, and people people throw themselves on the sword for descent, even though I think it's kind of, as far as dungeon crawls, it's okay at best. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah I had descent second edition, and it, it it was fine for a while, and then it just kind of updated its welcome. Something. It became a race. Yeah, 
Um, I've been looking. As a matter of fact, I just started uh, digging it out, and and I picked up a few expansions for it. Was Star Wars Legion? Believe it or not. Hmm. Um, I haven't delved into that yet. I was tired of Star Wars. I didn't want to see anything Star Wars for the longest time. Right. And then you know, three four years later, here I am. I'm going. Hey, you know what? <laughs> Let me take a look at this, and I just painted up a whole army of it. Um, I'm playing Cav right now, uh, which is uh, Cav Strike Force uh, Strike Operations. Do you mm -hmm. remember the old hero click? I mean, uh, the Mech Warrior clicks. Yeah. Well, there's a story out there that one of the BattleTech guys, who will remain nameless, had their kids sitting at Cav, and we're playing Cav. And what it is is Cav is basically that whole system. You okay. step down. Instead of clicking, you have a card, and you step down as you take damage. The guy saw and said, well, this would be cool. And yeah. then a couple months later, Mech Warriors came out <laughs> because his kids were having so much fun with it. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And they've redone it. They're doing a whole bunch of things. It's cheap. The rule book is free. And to get the mechs, uh, for what you would buy, for what you would pay at pay at Starbucks for a co two coffees, mm -hmm. you can have a you can have two two battle units. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so I, I've been enjoying that. I painted a bunch of that up. Um, I'm trying to think what else. I'm always I got my hands into something. <laughs> that's for sure. I, I could I, one one game I can well, one series I can recommend. Thanks to you again, is all the Jason Glover stuff. Uh, oh God! Iron Helm, uh, Gate, Desolate, and Tin Helm. Yeah, mm -hmm. and I think he's coming out with something new soon. Yeah, uh, I saw something where he deleted his store and then put his store back up. That he had some kind of yeah. I I wasn't sure what that was all about. Neither uh, was I. I. I mean, I thought maybe you would know, and I just kind of yeah. okay. I'm gonna leave it alone. You know, maybe yeah. you just had a bad moment. We all do. Yep, yeah, definitely. I <laughs> I can't tell you. How many times I've you know run into some problem designing? I'm like, all right, that's it. This is the last I'm doing of this. It's oh God, uh, with, with this stupid channel, how many times I go? You know something? <laughs> all right, you bunch of marks want to go out there and go support this thief's uh, whatever. It's you interesting. Know. Right when I get to that point, I get that one email or that one comment on Facebook or one post on Board Game Geek mm -hmm. that just lifts my spirits and go, all right, well that's why I do this. You know, yeah, you know. that, that always seems to be the thing. And yeah. I start thinking about it. I go, you know, I could walk away from this and just be done with it. I've done everything I could possibly do. You know, uh, I mean, what do I got to prove? Right. And then I'll do the uh, the same thing. Either, I'll, you know, somebody will email me, say, hey, you know, mm -hmm. I can't thank you enough for this, that, the other. Or, you know, something will come out and I'll go, wow, this is brilliant. I got I got to show everybody this, right? And you keep going, like an idiot. <laughs> well, one of the you know one of the things I go, you, you know, you mentioned accessibility before, and that's kind of one of my driving forces that why I design the way I do is because I want people to actually play my games. Mm -hmm. so I don't want people to write to me and go, "Whoa, what a brilliantly complex uh, eighty-page rule book you wrote up here," and then never play the game. I want people to play the game and enjoy it. That's my yeah. Why that's my 
goal is to is to have people write me and go, hey, we had a blast with your game. That's all I that's all I really strive to hear. Yeah. That people had a good time with it. Well, I mean, my God. I, I mean your some of your stuff is historic and I, I don't understand why you're you're not higher on the food chain as far as designers are concerned. And and what I mean by that is you know, we want to talk about Hall of Fames and this one gets in, that one gets in, and so forth and so on. And I just don't understand why a Richard Launius, yourself, for, you know, for the accomplishment, I mean, for what you've done, I mean, Magnificent Style is the benchmark of so many things. Dawn of the Zeds, probably, probably one of the greatest zombie games ever made. Ever. Thank you. <laughs> um yeah which is which is interestingly out of kind of out of my hands now <laughs> yeah, it, <clears throat> yeah I, w w i've talked about doing another edition of it bringing it back again talking mm -hmm. about accessibility bringing it back to where the second edition was in, as far as playability and size and accessibility right. um you know the third edition is brilliant i didn't it's a compilation of everything I did, plus what Alan Emmerich and his team put on for cooperative play. Right. And of course the production of um, Tabletop Tycoon. But a lot of the a lot of the comments I get is like, oh, this game's it's got five rule books, it's too complex, it's just too much. And and granted, it's been very popular, but I also feel like, well, I kind of want to offer people a version of Zeds like it used to be. Right in the first and second editions where you can just take it out and play it in a couple of hours with your friends and not have a big, you know, wall of resistance as you're trying to, to learn the game. Right. So, now is that, is that something legal, legally you can't talk about why, why we may never see it or, or, or it's held up? Is it owned well, by somebody? What, as far as another edition? Yes. Well, I, from what I understand, Alan is working on more expansions for the third edition. And I think they're doing, I don't know if they're doing another, Kickstarter or they're republishing. Re I'm not sure. Um, he hasn't reached out to you. Um, I talked to him a couple of months ago because mm -hmm. I mentioned to him that I wanted to do this new version. This, you know, if you want to call it fourth edition, you know, and and he mm -hmm. was amenable to that. But if I wanted to do anything with Zeds, I think legally I would have to talk to Tabletop Tycoon and say, "Hey, I want to do another Dawn of the Zeds." Now, of course, theoretically, I could do it and call it something else and go to, you know, I mean, I could do that. Nobody could stop. Well, we, we actually we actually talked about doing a space. You edition. did mention a space themed States of Siege game, which I think is a brilliant idea. And <clears throat> I don't even know, like, who owns, you know, I know obviously Darren Levelov designed States of Siege. I don't know if he's got to sign off on any state. You know, if you call it States of Siege, I imagine he would have a say or VPG or I don't know. I don't even know who would have a say anymore in it. The heck would it just call it something different and exactly. just kind of call it something different. And, and yeah, exactly. Call something uh, different. You know, other people have used the term Zeds in other games. Um, they sure did. Yeah. And in movies too. Yeah. I believe that's where I got the idea for it. I was watching a Brit. I, I think it might've been 28 days later. It was a British zombie movie. That, that, that was a messed up movie. Oh, I love that movie. <laughs> yeah. When they um, ran that fast, that scared the hell out of me more than than. than that's why it's with me because they were so terrifyingly fast. Yes. Yeah. 
And I'm almost sure they call them Zeds in that movie. And that was obviously the British term uh, for Z, the letter Z is Z. That's why they mm. got that name. Hmm. Space Zeds from Planet Nine or something. <laughs> or something to that. You know, I don't know. Planet Nine from Outer Space. Yes. Planet Nine. <laughs> You know, I, I was laying in bed, and, and I usually have YouTube going, and I saw that, and I clicked on it, and the most hysterical thing is I started watching that, and I, I just, I forgot how bad that was and how oh, good it is. Oh, playing right from outer space? Yeah. We used to, when I was a kid, when I was in high school, we used to go to viewings of it at the local library and stuff. It, it, that movie, if you haven't seen it, is just... Midnight Midnight Showings, that and Rocky uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show. Rocky Horror Picture Show. And if you want to see another bad movie, uh, there's a movie called Birdemic, which Bird. is Birdemic, B-I-R-D-E-M-I-C-K. That's just a C. It is so hysterically bad. You, you have to. If you like bad movies, Rob, you gotta go get it. <laughs> I do. I'll have to check it out. Yep. God, I mean, I've got every '50s sci-fi movie that you could ever imagine. My collection is just terrifying, and I refuse <laughs> That's to. That's the whole inspiration of the Invader series for Tiny Battle. They're all, they're all yeah. based on a, a bad '50s sci-fi movie. So, I would love to see a a Cronus game. Remember that that one. Oh, is that the one with uh, Sean Connery? No, 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 oh. no. That's the one where um, the thing's like, uh, it's a giant robot. It's like a block. It, it comes from outer yeah. And it takes... Sean Connery wasn't in that. No? Okay. Uh, John Astin, I think it was. Oh, okay. Maybe I'm mixing two movies together. That no, it's a, but I know which one you're talking about, yes. And they had the dome with the two wires, and they ended up... <laughs> yes. And the feet... That were going dun, 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 dun. and as it was going through Mexico, it is just like stomping on little villages. Actually, Fred's working on the fourth game of the Invader series right now. It's called Planet of Doom. Oh, <laughs> and it's going to have uh, the Moss Men. Oh God! Type, uh, creatures, yeah. So you need to do a kaiju movie, a uh, kaiju game too. Actually, Mark Walker had, I believe, he had a kaiju game designed. If I remember correctly, he Law Resistance. If you you know that game, yeah, 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 that was originally a kaiju game. Really? Yeah. Well, if that don't beat all, yeah. Law Resistance was great. Oh, it's a fun game. Oh, I, I, I think I did it live on the channel too. After four thousand videos, you forget what you do and what you don't do. We both learned to like. Um, Dice mitigation games are that kind of fun because you can right. have a lot of flexibility with that. Um, so it's an interesting mechanic. You know, you can do it. I, I just got a was it One Deck Galaxy and they do that where did you that came out? Yeah. Oh, I got to check that out. Yeah, you'd like that. That's uh, it's pretty complex. I haven't really gotten a chance to really dig into it because it's because pretty... I played I played One Deck Dungeon and I played on my Steam Deck, which uh -huh. is awesome. Uh -huh. And I love that game. That game yeah. is so much fun. I finally beat the first the first creature. But I like yeah, I like the idea of taking dice and and uh, I also have a little game called Dice Conquest by mm -hmm. I think, and they use all sorts of different D twenty D twelve and all that, and you have to assign dice to kill things. But 
everything has a restriction. Like you can't use odd numbers or you can't use even numbers or you can't use numbers higher than six or, right. you know, it, and so it's this puzzly, you know, type of, it's really good. Have you, have you seen die in a dungeon? Die in a dungeon. No. Die in the dungeon. Okay. Take a look. When you get a chance, take a look. I did a video of it and a playthrough of it. Dice mitigation. Perfect. Uh, it, right. it, it's really, it, it's, a, it's a lot of fun for a, for a little in, in, indie type game. Right. But the components are beautiful. It does a great job. It's fun. Uh, you, you can get through it pretty quickly. You know, very good solo, solo and very good with someone else too. And, and honestly, one of the reasons I play all these other games, because I play dungeon crawls and dice games mm -hmm. and C LCGs and, and I love deck building games. Not only do I enjoy them as a player, but I get ideas for game design, you know, war game. I, a lot of these mechanics, I'm like flabbergasted that are not, not used in war games. Right. Logically will translate to war games. So I had this new game out by White Dog Games, just came out called By Iron and Blood. It's the Battle of Koningsgratz in 1866. And I use a whole new activation system there that's based on the Conan the Barbarian game. Right. So and you have we have the track, you know, and it's called the river system. So your activation cost depends on where your cores are on this activation track. I don't know if I told you about that. I got to send one of these up to you. Um, the last crusade, it's a world war two game. And what you do is it's the Germans and versus Americans. You're going to lay out land okay or mm -hmm. cities and stuff like that and right. then you're going to pay you're going to have to pay for your units with supply mm -hmm. points so you're rolling dice and you have a certain amount of, of supply now if you roll two ones that means you only got supply that much supply for that turn and right. good luck trying to buy units. and it has air units it has everything um and then the dice rolling, you know, you go up a tank versus tank, you're rolling that many dice against that, and you're trying to create, get fives and sixes to do hits. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's it's from, I think, 1995. Wow. And I, I still have a sealed box. Woo. But, I mean, I have tons of it. and I, I, I love little, like, we were just talking about Jason Glover's games. I like that. Yeah. You got airborne commanders. Is like See, I gotta that. send that to you. Yeah, I gotta the, send that to you. Airborne commanders like that. Um, uh, what's the other one? I was uh, bomb run. Yeah, those are all nice small card games that have clever mechanics and can be played quickly and still feel right. And I like that. Yeah, which it gives you that feel, which is the most important thing. One of the things I love about old school tactical. Mm -hmm. I mean, how easy is it to get that to the table? Right. You can have a big battle in an hour and a half, clean it up, and, you, you know, you felt like you did something. Right, and it looks awesome. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, with all the boards and everything that you have, I mean, I was looking at, I went to the storage unit because I had to put some of it over the storage unit, and I'm looking what I have for it, and I'm going, my God, this game is so glorious, and there's yeah. so many boards for it, and you could do so much with it. You know, it doesn't get the credit it deserves. Oh, I totally agree. I mean, Flying Pig does fantastic production. And like we were talking before about a most fearful sacrifice, we both agreed, you know, people complain, oh, it's 15 square feet of map. You know, it's too big. But 
Rick Barber's artwork deserved that large. It deserves that kind of treatment. How, how, big hexes how could, appreciate all the detail in there. Yeah, and, I mean, how could you complain about that when 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 you got guys that'll go to a convention, spend seven hours setting up this elaborate system to play one hour two hour session? Yeah, exactly. Um, Tear so, yeah. down. We got the next one coming up. <laughs> yeah, and, but that's and, what Mike Pick does, right? They nobody does boards and and pieces the size and scope and go and, and no, where uh, it's easy to play with for God's sakes, right? This guy doesn't get the credit he deserves, and it drives me nuts because here's a war gaming company that its worst enemy is the war gamer. Mm -hmm. Okay, that. Yeah that that war gamer that has his nose up in the air that doesn't want to teach that young kid or be patient enough that thinks you know him and his little group you know sipping on whiskey or you know they're gonna live forever and you know the you know we've we talked about this a thousand times yeah how you know you you just got that weird war gamer that the grugnard or whatever he wants to call himself and yeah they kill it I know who you, I know who you're talking about. We all know who you're talking about, and I agree with you. And it's, you know, if they want, they can do whatever they want. They can play whatever games they want. But the rest of the industry, you know, when I when I design these games, I'm thinking like, well, who else can I get to play these games other than yeah the prototypical people, right? Mm -hmm. So little games like Hill of Death or even Most Fearful Sacrifice, because it's it, it, that's a big game, but it's actually fairly easy to play. Uh, relatively speaking to other war games yeah i mean i mean god willing i i live long enough i i mean the little runt he's he's uh two right now but uh you know five six years from now what am i gonna do am i uh, am i gonna break out am i gonna break out pacific war to show him right. or am i gonna take out old school tactical exactly where he, he's actually gonna enjoy himself and this is why a company like GMT is okay with doing a Plum Island Horror. You know, it's a mm -hmm. game that I like to design. It's fun to design. Yeah. And if if we if they can get a couple of hundred people who would maybe never go to a war game catalog, draw them in to order this game, and then they start poking around and going, "Oh, look at Combat Commander or CNC Napoleonics or oh, right? uh, uh, Maneuver or Maneuver or right Chariots or, or even." Thunder Alley, even if it's a non -order, oh god, yeah, it draws people in to look at your catalog, and maybe they want to examine something else, and maybe you can draw people in the war game. Maybe yeah. not. Maybe that's being a little pie in the sky, but it's, yeah. it's, it's an effort at least. Yeah, yeah, and 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 it just takes a little bit of you know, just a little bit of ingenuity, being open to certain things. I had a friend uh, at a local game store, uh, actually. The guy that owns the store i go up there every once in a while and you know i'll get some paints and stuff it, it's easier than sometimes getting it from miniature market you know and wait in a few days if i need something and i'm in the middle of a project i'll go right. up there and we have a local convention here and they have these garrisons that that hang around this area and i tried playing with some of them and spotlighting them a little bit but they're so you know they it's just a different mentality but then, you know, you see some of the people that go to these small conventions that are a little timid and want to learn certain things because you'll see some kids there and stuff like that. And there's your opportunity. Right. You know, show, show them something. Show them something. 
because you should be expanding that. If you want your convention to grow, you need to, to bring those people in and show them that it's not this massive thing all the time. Mm -hmm. you, you can get there. You can get to this complexity. But there are things along the way. There are steps up the ladder mm -hmm. to get you to where you want to go. Oh, absolutely. And, and I think Richard Launius understands that. That's why a game like Defenders of the Realm is a oh, good God. gateway game into like, hey, what else is there that's like this? Axis and Allies or mm -hmm. you know, whatever. Richard uh, Borg. He's, he's used that same system for right. 9,000 years. Uh, David Thompson has been able to breach, yeah. that, you know, get across. Obviously, he's probably the main guy that can get across, <laughs> has, yeah. has got across to the mainstream. Yeah. Um, but we need more of that, I think. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Or else, you know, one day, one day. <laughs> I know what you're going to say. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you see it now in the normal board gaming because of all the you know, the stuff that they do, the Dungeons and Dragons stuff, the price is going up. You know, people don't have disposable income the way they used to, you know? Mm -hmm. And, you know, it'll never go away, but it will never be like it is right now. Mm -hmm. Where every two weeks, you've got about a million things coming out. Yeah, that is that is an issue that we didn't have in the 70s, where it was oh, God, no. one game out, and everybody played that game and learned it. Yeah. No, and you played it, and you played it, and you played it, and right. you played it, and then six months down the road, hey, guess what? <laughs> Let's put this one on the shelf. We got another one that we can work on. All right now, you don't even have time <sighs> to. <laughs> I can't. I can't even keep up with the, what comes in now. Right, and you I know, know just that's try it. Our for ordering it all, but you know, it's part of like this 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 idea that like, well, I'll order it and I'll get to it at some point in my life, and it just keeps piling up. Yeah. Yeah. All right, boy, we've talked for a whole hour. Wow. That was fast. But but we do that. That's how we do things, you and I. We've yeah. always done it that way. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and I don't even know what we accomplished, but I will tell you this much. One of the one of the things that you want to look out is you want to look out for Plum Island coming out from GMT. I think it'll be out probably maybe the summer, fall, somewhere in there. Yeah, if well, it's, it's almost done, and then they send it off to the printer. So I don't know how all that takes, but it's still in the pre. You can still get it for the pre-order price if you want to go to the P five hundred. It's that discount on the P on the P five hundred is significant. So if you want mm -hmm. it, get it now. Then what you also need to do is write Alan Emmerich over at Victory Point Games and tell him, "Hey, listen, bro, <laughs> we want another edition of Dawn of the Zeds. Let Hermit loose." Okay, let's get the permissions. Let's make it happen. We will promote it on this channel. We will sell 500 copies alone here. I know that for a fact. Mm -hmm. And don't forget to go see our boy, Mark Walker. Yeah, the man. Okay, if you want war games that make sense, that aren't overcomplicated, that are smart, history to the T, uh, uh, you take a look at some of the games, that everything is historically accurate, smart, fun, enjoyable. You want to get your kids involved, go over, check out Flying Pig Games, check out uh, Old School Tactical, go check out uh, the Tiny Battle War. Game. Huh? Armageddon War. Armageddon War, which Road. for the longest time has been one of my top 10 games of all time. Yeah. Okay. Uh, don't forget uh, what our man did here 
a most fearful sacrifice. If you want an experience, as a matter of fact, aren't they reprinting that? Yeah, it just did a second edition Kickstarter, and I think you can go pre-order it now. Well, there you go. Yeah, you can go pre-order that. Second edition is the same as the first, except all the errata is taken care of. The tables are the right size. Um, it's just uh, you know a nice, nicer version. Is mm -hmm. just fixed up stuff. And go check out Tiny Battles if you want affordable games, especially if you don't have disposable income. I'm telling you right now, go there. Check it out. You can get a bunch of games in cheap, and you, you'll have a wonderful time because they're made by smart people like our man Herman here and uh, Fred. Fred Manzo. Fred Manzo, who's, who's done a lot of things. And Mark has done a whole bunch of things. You've got to see some of the games that Mark has done. And you want to check out the Invader series. The trilogy is tremendous. It's fun. It comes in a bag. You won't regret it. Get yourself a little piece of plexiglass. Sit around the table with a bunch of friends and just get ready for a laugh riot because it is just fantastic fun. And the trilogy is great. It's one of my favorites of all time. Um, Magnificent Style, another fantastic game. And check out uh, the catalog over at GMT as well and, uh, at any cost. Matter of fact, I think that was that game there was the first that I had did the review for it and you had contacted me. Yep. yep. I yep. think that's how uh, that's how we started. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Yeah, it just it just hit me now. Uh, that's it. I used my enough brain for the rest of the day. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. But go get this stuff. This is stuff that 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 if you are looking for things to have fun with, enjoyment, and not all the glitz and glam, cult of the new bullshit that you're gonna find out there. All right, go check this company out. Go check these companies out. I guarantee you, you're gonna find something affordable, fun, and enjoyable. All right, you gotta trust me on this. I never steered you guys wrong. Herman, I can't thank you enough for being my very first guest here on the podcast. It's honor. I, I'm, I'm, it, it was wonderful. I mean, I mean, it was either you or my granddaughter, and I, <laughs> you went out a little bit. <laughs> no, we, we've been we've been very good friends, and I said if I was ever going to do a podcast, that you would be the first person I would want to talk well, to. Thank it. you. I, I, sure I got you know I got I, I actually got people listening to this thing, which is kind of shocking onto itself. Uh, but you know, we've only done eleven episodes. This is our twelfth, and uh, uh, we're doing all right. I'm kind of shocked, awesome. and uh, I'm enjoying it too. Which is because I could I talk. Do well. <laughs> well, I appreciate you being here, and as always, we'll be in contact with each other, folks. Until next time, on the other side of this segment, where I'll close out the show. Uh, it's your old pal Rob. We'll see you soon, everybody. Say uh, again, thank you so much, Herman. Thank you for having me. Well, there you have it. The great Herman Lutman. And uh, boy, he's made some fantastic games. And what, what a fantastic guy on top of it. Uh, very dear friend of the show. Good friend of mine. Uh, him, Mark Walker. The fantastic Flying Pig games have always been good to Rob's Tabletop World. And I really suggest that you go over to their website and really experience some of the best games that I think you'll ever play and uh, really enjoy. 
and uh we've got more to come in the future that's for doggone sure uh this was a pretty long episode that uh we'll be back next week with another uh podcast uh we do these every single week and they go live on wednesday and you can download them uh anywhere you get your uh podcast uh i hope you'll give us a, a like um and a five star i don't know if you can give a like but i think you can give a five star review and i don't know what it does but it's supposed to help you and uh we just got a lot of really exciting things going on on the youtube channel and of course here where we're going to be doing a ton of interviews which i'm very excited about to bring to you guys um and a lot of exciting reviews and and videos as as you know we really crank it up in 2023 and you know finally things are starting to get settled with the farm and uh my health and everything else and just getting back to the way it was before everything had transpired but uh again i'm really excited uh about the future here and i hope you're enjoying the podcast and if you are uh just make sure that you uh listen each and every week and also subscribe over at the youtube channel if you could i would appreciate it until next time, it's your old pal Rob. We'll see you soon, everybody.